0: Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Soros, and as promised, we are back to daily episodes. I hope everybody got a chance to check out the return episode. The I want you to put the word out there that we back up episode of the show talked about the landscape of college football, the playoff, a little bit of why the Kirk Street and Desmond Howard discourse is so dumb, why expanding the playoff won't actually solve the lack of competitiveness problem that college football currently has, and a bunch of other stuff within that frame of discussion, but today's episode, we're going back to our roots. The very first episode I ever recorded of this show in the fall of 2020 was the night... New York Rangers selected Alexi Lafreniere first overall in the draft. We started there and second episode the Rangers played today. They've played a handful of games since the Christmas pause. They've played I believe four now after the game. I'm watching the end of it right now as I started recording winning 4-1 to against the Oilers and it's important we we do these checks. I, I wrote last week for Gotham Sports Network which if you haven't gotten a chance to read yet you definitely should and I called it a check engine light for where the Rangers are at as a team because they're playing well enough to win hockey games against inferior opponents. They're able to take advantage of their high-end talent being good enough to win in these close situations against inferior teams. But in situations where they've played better teams, they've struggled to find offense from certain places. They've been too reliant on defense and goaltending. We'll get all the way into that, but tonight's episode is going to mostly be me talking about a little bit, I took a look, I, I covered the Ranger-Oiler game as if I were there uh, going to write a game story about the game, I was taking notes throughout the course of the game, trying to just keep some things in mind, keep track of some stuff, and really try and get a fair assessment of where the Rangers are at with both the eye test and then going going to the, the sheet, man. As much as there are people out there who don't understand why I look at certain things, those are resources because I don't have a photographic memory. I have a very good memory, but I cannot remember where every single scoring chance during the course of a game came from. So going back to look at shot charts and the implied value of those scoring chances is really useful as a resource for somebody who doesn't have a photographic memory, which a majority of the people out there don't. So that that's why I like to use those as I'll say a counterbalance to the eye test where if it looks like somebody's playing really poorly to the eye, but then I go and look at the box score on something like Evolving Wild or Money Parker Natural Statric and it's dramatically different. It says they played really well on the stat sheet, but It looked poor on game, then I know I either my eye test is off and I need to readjust what I'm looking for, or I'm not looking for the right things. At some point, you're going to find some overlap. It eventually does happen. But, before I get to my brief, this won't be a long episode. 20-30 minutes, I don't want to inundate the world with the results of a January hockey game between a playoff team and... Whatever the fuck is happening to the poor Oilers, man. We gotta get Connor McDavid and Drysaddle out of there. That is just a miserable existence right now with nine hundred save percentage goaltending, whether it be Miko Koiskinen or uh, Mike Smith, which I could have told you was not going to work, Ken Holland. You were not going to get good goaltending again from thirty-nine year old Mike Smith and be able to survive with Miko Koiskinen as the alternative in your goalie tandem. That was never going to work out or make particular sense for a team that fashions itself a Stanley Cup contender because it has two of the seven best players in the entire NHL. Support the show. Please, please, please support the show. I gotta get the channels going again. I gotta do some stuff to get the social media channels more engagement. I know, I know. I'm actually gonna do that. I spent the majority of my Monday, I was on the Jet Stream, the Jets podcast, and editing NYG Weekly, the Giants podcast for Gotham Sports Network. So, Tuesday, we'll get some stuff going. I do have some stuff I have to take care of around the house, you know. Got, got, got to do my part, but going to try and churn something out. I think I have an idea of what I want to do because there's somebody who irks me and I want to dunk on them. So, I think I know what content we're going to make for Tuesday that'll go up on Wednesday. We'll write something, to It's content season. New year, new me, and all that bullshit. I'll see you guys in one second. We'll talk a little bit about that Rangers 4-1 win over the Oilers. And with that, we will get on into it. So, the first thing I want to touch on is what the Rangers' overarching team philosophy seems to be, at least from an outside perspective. They're never going to talk about this, and so no journalist who covers the team that's credentialed is actually going to ask any actual hockey tactic questions because that would require actual work and instead we can just ask Ryan Reeves and Gerard Gallant the same six questions over the course of nine months and make no real progress in understanding the direction of the team but I digress this is not a sports media podcast this is a sports podcast my first main thought through the first 30 games so the rangers had played 30 games up until the christmas break they were sitting at i believe 24 6 and 1 at that point going into the christmas break something in that range something around there and a lot of the underlying numbers were meh they were in the low 20s so out of 32 teams if you're in the low 20s those aren't pretty numbers. That means you're getting outscoring chance on most nights, meaning the other team has the puck more than you, so they're putting it on your net more than you. And they're giving up more quality scoring chances, meaning they're getting the puck to better areas of the ice, and those areas are more likely to result in goals. And my underlying thought at looking at those numbers was the Rangers were trying to slow the game down they play at one of the slower paces in the entire league i believe bottom five last time i looked in terms of just how many chances they create per game how often are they going to get to the offensive zone get a scoring chance or multiple scoring chances within each of those zone entries and the fewer scoring chances you generate that tells me you're playing at a slower pace and because this has stayed relatively consistent through the first 34 35 games now i feel like we can say the Rangers are trying to play at a slower pace and minimize the total number of scoring chances in the game. I've used this comparison a few times and things I've written for Gotham Sports Network about the pace you play at in the NHL, but think of it the way a football team plays against an elite quarterback. If you shorten the game, and when I say shorten the game, I know there, there is no actually shortening the game because the other team is still going to be able to score points. The idea of trying to shorten the game means just a few plays are going to be the deciding outcome in the course of a game because there's total fewer plays. So let's say there's only 80 plays in an entire football game, and in the game with our run-heavy strategy, there's only 65. Those 65 plays are going to have more value than... 80 plays would, because 80 plays, there's more total plays, each of those plays would have less. So if there's only 65, that makes each play more valuable. And in theory, if you're minimizing the total number of plays in your game, and you have elite players, like the Rangers do, and Artemi Panarin, and Adam Fox, Igor Shesterkin, those elite players make have a bigger impact on the total outcome of the game because there are fewer total plays so if you're having adam fox out there for 28 of the 60 minutes in a game he is having an outsized influence in the game because there's only this number of plays in the entire game that is the way the rangers are trying to play right now and the underlying numbers aren't working for them because they're still giving up too many chances and they're still giving up too much quality. The way I would describe what the Rangers are playing like right now is how the Islanders were playing under Barry Trotz the first year he was there where they were not generating a ton of offense. The other teams were creating more offense than them, both quality and quantity of chances. But the Islanders were winning games because they had good goaltending, and they were giving up a ton of quality, And not as much quantity. Those Islander teams under trots have traditionally been a quality over quantity team where they'll give you 40 scoring chances, and that's fine if they keep you to the outside. And it kind of hit me while I was looking at the natural stat trick uh, spreadsheet for the Islander, excuse me, the Islander, the Oiler Ranger game from Monday night. Islanders, the Islanders, because I'm talking about Barry Trotz, got my brain. Speaking of, hope everything's all right in Barry Trotz's family. I know he's been away from the team last couple days because he had something happen in his family. Hope everything's okay there. Really scary shit, man. The hockey community is enduring a lot, and you don't want to see anybody deal with anything more than they already have to. But quantity-wise, the Rangers seeded a lot of the game to the Oilers the Oilers 59 scoring chances the Rangers only 27 the Rangers keep the Oilers to the outside they're minimizing the total number of chances in the game and you can't even say that's a great plan because the expected goals aren't there either and you can play this game the way I would describe the way the Rangers are playing right now They're living and dying by their high-end players because the idea for this team, at least on paper, was to be an elite defensive team where you have six quality defensemen, an elite goaltender, and a strong defensive third and fourth line, and the first two lines are going to do the bulk of the scoring. It's a flawed team-building strategy. It's one that does not work in today's NHL. And frankly, it's because you need to score to win in the NHL. In today's league, you need to be able to score. It is a lot harder to only rely on a handful of players to generate your offense because there are going to be cold streaks. That is just the simple reality of sports that over the course of a long season, there are peaks and there are valleys in production. So when you only are relying on five to six guys in your forward group to score pretty much 80 to 90% of your goals... What happens in the nights that two of those guys are cold and only, you only get one goal from the rest of that top six and the entire point of the rest of your lineup is defense? It's a lot harder for them to generate offense. And that's where the Rangers are at right now. When the high-end players are scoring, when the Zabinjad line is going, when Kreider is tapping in a power play goal seemingly every other game, it's fine. In the games they don't, it's ugly because there's just not enough goals to go around and you're gonna need to score at least three goals a night if you want to have an even a chance of winning three is kind of on the low end of things and that's all situations three total goals but i want to see some steps to tighten up on defense because a lot of the rangers underlying problems come from the play in the neutral zone And that is something that's correctable. That is something you can meaningfully change without having to get new players in here or to remove players that are currently in the lineup out. All the Rangers need to do is adjust their neutral zone play. And that is stuff you can change schematically and with practice. That is something I want to see the Rangers do, both in terms of going to offense from defense and then on defense, preventing the other team from getting the zone. The Rangers are giving up the zone way too much and they're not gaining the zone often enough. And it's all tied to how they play in the neutral zone and how they play when they don't have the puck. Right now, there's still not enough continuity where if somebody has the puck on their stick for the Rangers, they don't always know where the puck needs to go. And that is something I really want the Rangers to improve on during these next 50 47, 48 games that are remaining now. There's plenty of time to iron out the kinks in transition. You need to have your forwards come back in the neutral zone. If a defenseman has the puck in his own end, he needs to have a clear outlet for the puck to go to, or he needs to be able to skate the puck out of trouble. We've gotten past the point now where the default should be banking the puck off the glass, it getting tipped out of the neutral zone into the offensive zone, and then the forward's going to get it. The Rangers have enough defensemen now who are quality puck handlers and strong skaters that they really shouldn't be having this hard of a time getting to offense consistently. I, I know right now they didn't dress Nils Lundqvist, but in a vacuum, if you have Fox, Lindgren, Truba, Ke'Andre Miller, Nils Lundqvist, Zach Jones, that is six guys who are all average to above-average skaters, and I would say average to elite passers, all of those guys should be being encouraged to get the puck out of trouble. Don't treat it like a grenade. Don't just bat it away. Don't just try and get rid of it to pass the responsibility of the puck off to somebody else. You want to have the puck. Be aggressive with the puck. Find somebody who is open in the neutral zone so you can get to offense cleanly. Don't make their job harder and make them have to go win the puck back after you already had it. If you have the puck clean and you have room, don't just bank it. Take it, man. There's room. Skate. Skate, I mean, I was watching the game Monday night on a more than one occasion. Keandre Miller had the puck on his stick in his own zone. He wasn't being pressured. And you heard somebody on the television broadcast, I couldn't make out if it was from the bench or someone on the ice, just yelling skate at the top of their lungs and encouraging Miller to use his agility, because he's a very agile player, and just get the puck out of there. Go press your agenda. Someone like Miller should be being encouraged to carry the puck as much as possible because he's such a good skater. And then the other half of this is mentally preparing the rest of that team, getting the rest of those defensemen to understand we want to have the puck. We just fought in our own zone to win the puck. We don't want to just bank it off and get rid of it and pass the responsibility of winning the puck again. If we have the puck, we want to keep the puck. That's the whole point. Uh, That's the whole point here. We need to have the puck more than the other team so that we can have scoring chances. We need to generate scoring chances consistently. We cannot wait for our best players to just bail us out because they are special and they're better than who's on the ice for the other team. That's not a recipe to win a championship in today's NHL. Fifteen years ago, maybe you could get by with having six good players, two defensives, two defensive lines and three solid defensive pairs maybe you could get away with that 10 15 years today's nhl is too talented even the low end bottom six players in today's nhl are decent skaters and the rangers i wouldn't say they're an elite speed team top to bottom but i would say they are a Out average in terms of team speed. There are some guys who are a little bit slower than the rest. Yes, Barkley Goudreau, Ryan Reeves, Lafreniere, Kako are not elite speed guys, but the Rangers have enough team speed where they should be able to work teams over. They should not be relying on just five forwards and Adam Fox to do everything for them. There is enough talent on this team especially speaking about the defense that transition should be a strong point of this team it's hard to win a championship defense first but if anybody could do it it would be this group of defensemen with a little bit more polish because fox and lingren are about as good as you can get for a first defensive pair truba and miller are both good individual talents i don't see the fit and why they're insisting on playing the two of them together and In spurts, what I've seen from Zach Jones, I think Zach Jones is ready to play at this level. I think he should be playing over Nemeth, to be completely honest, and I don't really understand why Nemeth is here, other than the fact he's Swedish. Uh, Didn't really make a ton of sense for what the Rangers needed and what the team's cap situation was going to be going forward, but I'm not going to complain about the offseason because they've, they've, I'll give credit where credit's due. They've played better than I expected, and they've played better than the results would tell you that's the thing that's why i called it the check engine light when i wrote about it last week for gotham the car is still running right now the rangers are able to get to and from work they stopped at the store to pick up groceries came home made dinner went to work the next morning check engine light still on eventually they are going to have to go under the hood here and see what the problem is because it's so difficult to win with goaltending in defense in today's league Because of how high the floor is on every other team in the league. I mean, you see some of the bad teams in the league. Even those teams. Arizona gave the Rangers kind of a hard time a couple weeks ago before the Christmas break when the Rangers were out there in Glendale. That wasn't pretty, man. That was not pretty. And the Rangers pulled it out at the end there. But, man, it shouldn't have to be hard against Arizona. It shouldn't have to be hard against Buffalo, against the Devils, against Columbus. The Rangers have enough talent, and I'm not even talking about like high-end hockey IQ, elite tape-to-tape passes, elite cycle, winning every 50-50 puck, pucks on net, great shooters. The Rangers have enough traits. They are fast enough, and they are, in theory, talented enough where they should be a strong transition team. And this is where the room for improvement, the maintenance, where we can fix this with coaching. You need to emphasize helping your defenseman out and encouraging your defenseman to make plays with the puck because they are all, aside from Libor Hayek and Patrick Nemeth, strong skaters. You want your strong skaters with the puck because if you trust your defenseman to carry the puck up into the zone on the rush, suddenly you're looking at a four forward one defenseman situation which is even more favorable for creating offense and that is where the nhl is going make no mistake about it we are getting to positionless hockey and the sooner a team is willing to embrace it and mainstream it and i think the rangers have the personnel where if k-andre miller keeps developing if the guys on that third pair whether it be Lundquist or um smith zach jones i almost said brendan smith and not brendan smith zach jones and Lundquist There's enough talent on this team where the Rangers should be looking to try and turn things into four forwards, one defenseman situations. And that will help the offense because right now there's just not enough offensive generation where there are too many times the Rangers gain the offensive zone. They don't get a scoring chance at all. They get one scoring chance and then lose the puck and the other, the team goes the other way. And that's just not going to work in the playoffs you cannot survive a championship run just on your power play and goaltending it is not possible in today's league especially with the way the playoffs are officiated where the referees don't call penalties on anything unless there's a murder it's not getting called and the rangers are not going to be able to win a stanley cup just with power plays and shesterkin and i'll give credit i Georgiev was terrific tonight. The save he made on McDavid in that third period was a stone-cold robbery. 99 times that results in a goal, and everybody's complaining on Twitter about, well, Shesterkin would have had... Georgiev played terrific tonight. Absolutely terrific. The one goal they conceded, that wasn't his fault. That was just bad transition. Dryden Hunt watched, I believe it was Warren Fogle come in on him, and... Didn't pick him up in transition, and the pass was great, and all he had to do was redirect the puck into the net. That's not on Georgiev. Georgiev was great tonight. and The team defense needs to get better, and that team defense will help the transition. We want our talented players to have the puck. We want our players who can skate to skate with the puck. That's the thing here. We need to encourage guys who have the means to skate to skate. And when the opportunity for one of those defensemen to skate the puck out of trouble isn't there, we need forwards coming back in the neutral zone to make the pass easier for these defensemen. And part of that is understanding that these are younger defensemen. Some of them are not as confident on the puck, so the Rangers coaches are telling them, hey, hey, once you get it under control, just get it rid of it, just get rid of it, get rid of it, into the neutral zone, keep it going, and live to fight to the next play. And that is fine for now. That is not championship winning hockey. That is not a recipe for an elite team, but they are surviving right now. They are not playing particularly well most nights. They are still getting outchanced, both in quality and quantity, but they are surviving. I wrote a week ago, it was still true. It was true then, it's true now. If the Rangers just win half of their games the rest of the way, they will make the playoffs. Rangers are in the 90s in terms of playoff probability, so 90-plus percent chance of making the playoffs based on how the first 30 or so games have gone. And this division is tough, make no mistake. I I know Washington Washington always seems like a paper tiger come playoff time, especially since they've won that Stanley Cup where nobody will take them seriously unless they go on another deep run. Pittsburgh has been ravaged by injuries and have hung around. Carolina is managing to make it work with budget guys. They cut costs. They trade into Delkovich, They let Dougie Hamilton walk. They're still very good. I think the Devils are going to get better whenever they do end up firing Lindy Ruff. And believe me, that is overdue. That was a bad hire from the jump. And that team is not playing particularly well, but there's talent on that team. And then we're at the point now where if the Rangers think they are a championship team, which is what the moves of this past offseason, Goudreau, Reeves, Gallant, Nemeth, would lead you to indicate that they think they can win a championship with one or two more moves and a little bit more player development. Okay, you want to be a championship team, let's play like one. Let's have better systems. During the game on Monday, there were multiple times on the power play, when the Rangers were on the power play, where They had Strom out there with Zabinijad, with Fox, with Kako, and with Kreider. Kreider was in his usual net front spot. Strom on the right boards, Zabinijad on the left boards, Fox at the point. And they just had Kako standing around, taking up space in the slot where he wasn't involved in the cycle at all. Where the play would go, Strom, Fox, Zabinijad, one-timer puck recovery, Kreider wins it, gets it back outside, they reset, and Kako just did not touch the puck at any point during those sequences unless he won the puck battle behind the net and he recovered it and got it to someone else to keep the sequence alive. And it just kind of seems like he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing out there because he wasn't making himself available to receive passes to continue the cycle in situations where somebody else already won the puck. It just kind of seems... Like, he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing out there. And I'll be fair to Kako. He's not gotten a lot of time on the power play, especially that first unit, which is basically operated with impunity for the better part of the last two years. Where, especially last year, David Quinn would let that group play the full two minutes where they would not come off the entire time. And because they were producing, at least in the first half of the season, he was fine with it. But this year, you can see Gallants making a concerted effort to give that group minute 10, minute 20 of the power play, and then switching to the second unit. I want to see Kako getting some opportunities, man. And the last thing I want to talk about, I I won't go much longer, I was very impressed with the way Lafreniere played on Monday. The underlying numbers were not pretty. They weren't pretty for anybody on the Rangers. Pretty much every single player on the team got outchanced at 5-on-5. I'm pulling it up right now. Hang on, hang on. The only two Rangers who finished with a positive scoring chance differential, Julian Gauthier, who played six and a half minutes and barely registered any ice time in the third period, and Ryan Strom. Those were the only two players who finished 50% or better. Ryan Strom with exactly 50. Gauthier with 66.67%, but didn't find a lot of ice time, especially down the stretch in that game. And I still felt like, eye test-wise, Lafreniere with Goudreau and Strom, we're creating a lot of scoring chances, and I'd like to see Lafreniere get an opportunity to play with a center who's going to set him up a little bit more. I, Lafreniere's amateur uh, junior, I should say, junior profile was a playmaker. He was going to help his, li- his linemates create scoring chances by setting them up. He wasn't as much a play driver himself, because he's not an elite skater, and his shot is good, but it's not amazing. So in theory, You want that guy having the puck on his stick, using his vision, his hockey IQ to make plays for other people where he is on the ice. And you saw it a little bit tonight. Tonight, he set up a goal and he scored a goal. The one goal only happens because Ryan Strom skated hard. He won that puck, got it out in front, wide open net, easy. But you're seeing Lafreniere push a little bit more. You're seeing him want the puck on his stick. Think about it like this is the last point I'm gonna make, and then I'll get out of here. Think about it like this: like your kid, you're playing football, basketball, soccer, whatever. You're a little bit younger than everybody else. All you're thinking about is don't mess up, try to keep these kids respecting me so I can still play. But anytime I get the ball, minimize risk, don't make a mistake. That is what the Rangers have done with Kako and Lafreniere for the better part of the last two and a half, two years for Lafreniere, three years for Kaco. Don't make any mistakes. Keep it simple. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the puck over in this case. That's all they were trying to do. Keep it simple. Don't hurt yourself. Let's play. Let's live live for the next play. That's all the Rangers have been trying to do with those young kids for a while now. Tonight, you saw Lafreniere saying, Okay, I I can do the safe thing. Now I want to make a play happen. Now I feel a little bit more confident in my ability. And yes, it's only one game. I do still have concerns about him and Kako long-term in terms of their production because yes you can play great at five on five but if you're not scoring or you're not contributing to chances or you're not elite at the power play or the penalty kill you're just another guy you're not a driving force on an elite team like if, if absolute like best case scenario for what kako is right now is he's low-end version of marion hosa who a very important player but you need somebody else who can score, and Kako is not as good defensively as Marion Hosa was. That's all I want. Rangers going to need some goals at some point here from somebody other than the people who are already doing it. need to find a way to make that happen more consistently. That's all I got for you guys today. Like I said, not a long episode. I didn't want to meander on too long about the Rangers. I need a guest to kind of properly counterbalance that. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We will be back tomorrow. Not sure what the topic is yet. Maybe try and get a guest. I'll see. People are starting to go back to school to start the spring semester. So that might limit the pool a little bit more as the year goes along. But for now, we're still in the early stages. We'll have some fun. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace.